Hey everybody, it's a little bit to see you today. Um, so if you could open your Bibles please to um, Mark chapter 7, 31 to 37. And um, the subject is going to be Jesus when he heals the deaf and mute man. And our central theme is going to be, uh, again, Mark 7, 31 to 37. And Matthew 15, 29 to 30. We're going to have a look at Matthew's account as well. And also Isaiah 35. Um, and how this is going to show to us um, the messianic age that came with Christ but it was rejected and ultimately the new Jerusalem that is going to come in Revelation 21 and I want us to look at how these miracles apply to our spiritual um, state as well before we've met the Lord and when he came and helped us and set us free and how we can still be expectant for the Lord today to have his way when ministering to the saints in the context of healing so I just wanted to do a summary of what, what, what Jesus has just come done before we get to the scripture reading for today. So we've just seen um, the chapter before. Uh, the Pharisees from Jerusalem and Capernaum have reproached Jesus for allowing his disciples to disregard their traditions about ceremonial defilement of the hands. And if you've read that, Jesus gives a fantastic rebuttal to it. He then withdraws for the second time to the region of Tyre and Sidon which is roughly 25 miles, so that's from here to Shrewsbury, if you wanted to walk there, um, which is quite a long way. Um, and he heals the daughter of the Syrophoenician woman. So we open our scripture today looking into what is going to happen after these two events. And it leads us to Christ's third withdrawal, uh, north through Phoenicia, then east towards Hermon, and then south into Decapolis, which is an interesting decision of why Christ did that. And it's said to be a 120-mile round trip. So he went on a lot of walking. Uh, so we now arrive at our scripture reading for today. Verse 31. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came into the Sea of Galilee, through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they brought unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseeched him to put his hand upon him, and he took him by the side from the multitude, and put his finger, um, put his finger, fingers into his ears, and he spit, and touched his tongue, and he looked up to heaven, and he sighed, and said unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened, and straight away his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly, and he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much the more, a great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. And Matthew fifteen twenty nine, Jesus departed from there and came nigh into the Sea of Galilee and went up to a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those were with him those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them insomuch that the multitude wondered that when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to, hold, to be whole, and the lame to walk, and the blind to see, that they glorified the God of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So verse 31, um, I really wanted to focus on the journey that Jesus uh, took. Um, and he absolutely, he observed, we observe carefully how Jesus avoids um, Herod, Antipas who was in power at Galilee at the time. So Christ went north 
Uh, then he went east and then he went south. Why didn't he just go east straight away? And I think it's because of that reason of Herod um, having hostile interest um, in Christ and he had an uneasy conscience thinking that Christ was John that rose back from the dead to haunt him. And also people that wanted to take him by force and make him king. We see that in John chapter 6. And Paul, Timothy and Silas in Acts 16 were told by the Holy Spirit not to preach the word and to enter into the countries of Asia. So we see in the Acts 16 that there's a clear communication from the Lord in this situation in Acts. But we see how it relates to Jesus because he had specific reasons not to go just east. He had to go all the way around. And his focus was to always have the plans of the Father slowly unraveled through his life by his consistent obedience. He didn't want to bring the ministry and the mission of the cross to be put in jeopardy. And his focus and intentions wrought obedience. So it means for us, literally, um, that we're not to cut any corners in our life with God. He went all the way around. And we must be aware and sensitive to the Holy Spirit and not let external situations derail us and take us off focus with what God has told us to do. We must do our full circuit of what God has called us to do, not just cut corners and go across. And you know, everyone here has um, a lot of uh, integrity to come here and set up early. You're not doing it half half soaked. You know, you're, you're making effort. You're coming here to prepare yourself. And you must be aware of the opposite to what you believe is the right thing God is calling you to do. We were talking about that young adults, weren't we? When we had, uh, if we believe that this is the calling, we must be aware of the other voices trying to pull us away from that. And we need to be discerning of daily decisions in what we assume to be the most insignificant. And this will create a dependency upon God in every area of our life. And I want to be more dependent upon him. I don't know about you in each little moment in your life. It's nothing insignificant to God. He cares about the small as much as the great. So let's look at verse 32 and 35. So we see Mark's account is a personal encounter of a specific individual out of the multitude that were present. So let's look at verse 32. And they beseeched him to put his hand upon him. I love that. And in the English, that just means to ask someone urgently and fervently to do something. And the root word in the Greek means to invite. And do we invite God to come amongst us, to touch us today in accordance with his will? Do we invite the Holy Spirit to come amongst us? And I'm conscious sometimes in, in my life, how many times has Jesus been standing behind the door and not been invited in or in a home group? And sometimes we might not be vulnerable to ask for prayer. We may not feel that it's in any need to pray for it. But do we try and encourage and exhort that openness in others so that God would minister to us, through us? And are we making space for the Lord? And it's surprising how a simple, can I pray for you, can hit people so unexpectedly. And they believe in a God that heals. And they believe in a God that did this miracle here. And sometimes we're not told to beg or to strive to God because we already have it. 
it's already ours, but I think the element of this word shows a desire and a dependency of that it's his enablement and none of our own. Even though we're right standing with God righteously, it's still not a position to extract things from God, from his infinite bank of resources and power. Rather, it shows a more of a reverence and an honour and approaching God, as Hebrews tells us, to come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So let us as a church try and be like the friends and the family of that deaf and dumb man that beseeched him to heal him. Let us be like that in this, this church today. Let us beseech one another for Christ to touch us afresh in accordance with his will. So I want to show an example of that. I had a brother called Steve, and he's allowed me to share the testimony. And he had recurring doubt of his salvation. I think it's what you said earlier, Graham, was amazing, which is very relevant, that we have been saved to the uttermost. And Steve uh, had recurring doubt that if, 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 he was, if he was saved or not, uh, consistently, really um, churning in him constantly, to the point he's getting so frustrated. And so I just prayed in faith, and the Holy Spirit literally burns it out of him. He's sweating, and he said, I feel brand new, something's lifted off me. And so that was the condemnation over from the enemy, saying that you're not saved, you're not saved. Kept just jab, jabbing at him every day. And the Lord supernaturally removed it, which is powerful. Just because I asked, you know, can I pray for you and just trust it and give it to God. And there's another amazing testimony just to share and encourage you that a friend of mine had 15 years of recurring nightmares. What every night, same nightmare after night, every day. Every night was the same. And he was sectioned in mental health hospital in America. So that was the root cause of his, his dream. He kept uh, dreaming about walking down the, 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 uh, the room he was in, walking up and down the room constantly. He couldn't sleep. It woke him up every night, 15 years. And so he's ministered to each other for about four or five hours and spent a really nice time together, just fellowshipping and gave it to God. And I called him the morning after and he said, I've never slept so well in my life. I didn't have another nightmare and it's gone completely gone supernaturally removed and that's only like a small few uh, testimonies I have which have been really encouraged me in my faith that God still works today and I want that to bless you as well and to keep uh, seeking that as well so we see verse 33 then he took them aside from the multitude put his ears in, uh, put his fingers into his ears and he spit and touched his tongue and we see these physical actions of Christ where he puts his fingers in his ear. And not its cause, but it's an accompaniment to what he does when he ministers healing. I think that's really interesting how Jesus doesn't need to do, doesn't need to touch anybody. <laughs> like the centurion said, say the word and it'll be done. And it already happened, didn't it? So Jesus doesn't need to, um, to add that touch. But we see a lot in the Gospels that he associates that. Uh, physical aspect to his miracles. So let us be his hands and his feet as we let the King of Kings work through us to his glory alone. We yield ourselves today. And verse 34, Jesus sighs. 
And Jesus appealed passionately to the Father to intervene for the unfortunate reality that Jesus has to even heal this man in the first place. There's a deep fervour and an inner groan for Christ to undo the tragic consequences of a fallen world. We see in Genesis that God walked with his creation in the cool of the day. Maybe that was on his mind. He was sighing and remembering what it was like before the fall. But knowing that sometime soon it will be all gone. Like I said before, the new heavens and the new earth, it's all going to be healing and restoration in its fullest form. So Jesus, uh, when he says, Ephatha, they can actually, when you look at the word, it could actually have you before it. So you be opened, which is really interesting because you see here a specific command from Christ where he ministers to the parts of the body. He said, said, you be opened to the ears, spoke specifically to the problem, which I think is quite interesting. When we could be in that place of praying for others and seeking their breakthrough, that we're specific about the issue that they had, like that my friend's nightmare, was addressing the, the issue that he had and was specific about it. Not that God needs us to be, but I think there's just that element that interested me when I, when I studied that. You be opened. So verse 35, straight away, immediately. Wow, that's amazing. Immediately it was loosened. And for a deaf person to have such clear and express spoken language, that must have been, that has to be learnt over a period of time. This miracle seems to have um, been, been blessed with the, an impartation of knowledge to be able to speak the language even though he's been deaf. And verse 37, I love this, that they were beyond measure astonished, saying he has done all things well. And there's nothing the Lord has done half-heartedly. Like I said earlier, you have full-hearted devotion to come here early to set up. And there's nothing the Lord does half-heartedly. The excellency of his creation, he said, it was good. The life that Christ led, his endurance to the cross, his healings. Not one person that Christ healed was half healed. Not one ear was open. Not one was closed. Both. And he hasn't half saved you either. Because Hebrews 7.25 says he's able to save to the uttermost. Those who draw near to God through him. Because he lives to make intercession for us. And I think when we're in that position of praying for people, I think we should have that awestruck wonder of the multitude who were so astonished about what they saw and pray that he would make this person well as well. And Jesus does all things well. Whatever you want to think about Jesus, he does it well. His ministry, everything, was fully devoted and wholeheartedly involved in everything that he did and what a saviour we have that is able to make us sing that song it is well with my soul and so we see uh, Matthew shares that a multitude were present so let's have a look at Isaiah 35 
which is the reference to these miracles, the first instance we see, the future glory of Zion, the wilderness and the solitary places shall be glad for them and the desert shall rejoice and the blossom and the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with the joy and singing. The, gl- the glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen then the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are fearful, of, of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart and the tongue of the dumb sing, for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of jackals, where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor ravenous beast shall go thereupon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return, and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness with sorrow, and sighing shall flee away. And this is the references to these miracles. As we see the lame leap. We see Matthew mentions lame. Uh, the dumb sing. The eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. And so these miracles really show us salvation in some way as well. We talked about the physical healings and physical blindness, physical deafness. But it's spiritual as well. Without the Holy Spirit, we have no enlightenment to our sight of who Jesus is. In the blindness of our sin, our lives can't see the need for his mercy. The darkness is yet to be expelled from over our eyes. It's only till the light of the world shines in the darkness of your life that you are able to say, I was blind, but now I see. Without the Holy Spirit, we are lame. We are unable to walk on that highway of holiness. You can't get yourself up from your brokenness and save yourself. You can't walk when you've got shackles of sin around your ankles. You need the regeneration that restores the broken limbs of your soul. By trusting in Christ's death, burial and resurrection. And then as Isaiah says, you can walk on that highway of holiness and the redeemed shall walk thereon. Without the Holy Spirit, we'd be deaf to the gospel. With your itching ears, we turn into the pollutions of the world. It takes the fingers of Christ to be put in our ears for them to open up to the realisation that Christ came to save a wretch like me. Without the Holy Spirit, we'd be mute towards the things of God, just as all and say people are. They don't talk about the Lord. They're unable to speak his truth. They're unknown to his truth. 
and we were mute to the things of God, but ever so vocal when he was used as a blasphemous word. I speak from my own life here, pre-Christ. He was never on my lips unless it was something in a negative use case. So through Christ we've been set free from that muteness and now we can boldly proclaim with that loosened tongue and with plain speech that Jesus is Lord. And we see in Acts chapter 3, verses 4 to 8, where it talks about the maimed being whole. One second, let me find that. Please. Yeah, Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John and said, Look at us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with, it, with them into the temple, walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened unto him. And so we see a continuation here of Christ's um, ministry in the life of the new covenant disciples with amazing relevance but not application of that this man leapt with joy as his ankle bones were immediately healed and received strength. So be encouraged that because this is Acts chapter 3, it's post-Christ, post-Christ ministry, that we can, in accordance with his sovereign will, see things like this happen. So Lord, I pray that you increase our faith to see things like Acts chapter 3. So now we have been healed of our spiritual senses. How do we protect them? Job 31.1 says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze with desire at a virgin? 1 John 2.16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So now we have been healed of our spiritual blindness. We don't want to pollute them again. So we must make covenant, a covenant with our eyes, just like Job did make an agreement with them to abstain from the lusts of the world? How do we protect our ears that have been healed from, from Jesus, by Jesus, by putting his finger into our ears? We know that how, how good he is and how much he saved us. How do we protect our ears? 2 Timothy 4.3, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine Having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. So to protect your ears, church, we must be a church, which Graham so um, passionately shares, to be a church of good doctrine, that we won't have our ears polluted with itching ears. 
How do we protect our mouth then? Well, Jesus says, what comes out of your heart, out of your mouth, is what defiles you. So we need to check our heart, because what comes out of our mouth testifies what is on the inside. And I know some people I love very dearly who still blaspheme Jesus, and they're, they're Christian. So we need to check where we're at and check our heart. So to summarise, I pray that you've been encouraged to actively seek the one who does all things well, Jesus Christ. That we can as a church be open to beseech one another, accessing the throne of grace with boldness and confidence, to be expectant of God to move when and how he pleases. I pray that you've been refreshed in the realisation that our spiritual senses have been healed and renewed. I pray that we for that same spiritual healing for the multitude out there in this community around the streets here in Bradmore. That the Lord would say to them in our generation, you be opened to the need for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you uh, for your word. We bless you and praise you, Lord, for the wonder of what you did, Lord. And we thank you that you do indeed do all things well, Jesus. We thank you that you haven't stopped doing all things well. And we thank you that you saved us to the uttermost. So, Lord, help us to uh, lean not on our own understanding, in all of our ways, acknowledge you and make straight our paths. We pray that we'd be surrendered more to you, Lord, so that you can work through us how you please. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.